Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Today, I want to share a message with you for Family Matters that I've entitled, Pain to Promise, From Pain to Promise. You know, we we all have some kind of story of some kind of pain we've been through in our life, whether it be emotional or physical. I got a lot because I do dumb things. So I got a few. So I'll just share one with you. I'm going to take you on a little journey. We're going to go back a little bit. We're going we're gonna to go back to Thanksgiving Day, 1991. Yes, yes, I'm old. So we go back there. It's, it's a beautiful Thursday morning. And just like most young-blooded American men, I wake up that morning, and before we're going to feast like animals later on in the day, I want to make myself feel halfway decent, relive some kind of lost glory day that I thought I had. So we all get together to park and play. Football. We are going to get together and play football because if we played as well as we thought in our minds, we'd be fantastic. But that's not always the way. But nonetheless, we're going to go out and show everybody what we got. Now, it was an interesting day because my brothers are a bit older than me. I was 18 at the time. My brother's about 10 years older than me. He decides to bring some of his buddies. And of course, one of them includes a, a former linebacker for a Division I college school. And the other one's a former offensive lineman who played for the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. And my scrawny little 180-pound whatever had to go up against that guy. I don't know how I grew that straw. Yeah, you're young, bud. You can take him. No, no, I can't. That guy's huge. But I tried. Needless to say, about an hour something of beating later on, I had very little effect in that game. But here came the end of the game. It's going decently well, but, you know, we were hoping to win the game. And the quarterback drops back, and I know he's going to throw the game-winning touchdown. This is the moment every guy dreams of. It never turns out that way, but in my brain it looks fantastic. So he drops back. I decide I'm rushing him. I finally can get by the guy, not because I'm stronger than him, but he's finally tired so I can get around him. At least my youth comes in for something at that point. So I get around him. In my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. I'm jumping. Now, in my head, my vertical looked like this. In reality, it probably looked like this. But I jumped, tried to block the ball, and guess what? I missed. Ball got right by me. So I'm looking back to see the spectacular catch that I know this guy's going to do, and I land on my right foot, cleat digs into the ground, and my body falls. But one part of my body, being my lower right leg, decided not to go with the rest of my body. That was then followed by a very loud popping noise that I hate to hear, and then my knee looking like a V at some point. So I roll around on the ground, trying my best not to scream, no offense, ladies, but like a little girl. And I'm doing an okay job, because i got to show some face in front of these guys. And I'm able to get up, and they help me hobble off the side of the field, and I sit for the rest of the game. And typical as older brothers do, he comes up to me a loving way. So, bro, you all right? Can we go now? We got to go home. Mom and dad are making dinner. Okay. So I go to stand up. I go to take a step, and my knee just completely buckles inward. And I'm like, no, I don't think I can go anywhere. You're going to have to help me to the truck. Now, my wife will attest to this. There has been multiple occasions where I have gone out with family members and friends and have come home injured. So I'm glad that my parents have good insurance. So at any rate, we get home, and usually I get the, what, what now? You know, and I'm, it's followed by my dad's loving phrase that I still use with my kids. Look, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. So you learn how to suck it up. So lo and behold, Rich ruins Thanksgiving dinner. We go to the hospital, and long story short, get surgery. And then I get to go to the fun part called physical therapy. Now, why the name therapy is in there, I don't know. There's absolutely nothing therapeutic about it. I thought that kind of stuff was outlawed. People actually get paid 
to inflict torture on another human being and enjoy it. I did not enjoy it. You, you know, it's bad when you go in, and, and, and I was able to go. My mom worked as a nurse at the hospital, Health South, which was the guys who did all the surgery for UM and the Dolphins and all that stuff. So, of course, I walk in, and it's nothing but a bunch of college and pro football players. And they're screaming in pain. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, these are much bigger and I thought tougher guys than me. And they're screaming, I'm not looking forward to this. And then you sit there and you meet your person, and they're sitting there telling you, look, I'm going to make you better. But you're probably not going to like me because I'm going to inflict pain on you. Oh, how you doing? My name's Rich. Nice to meet you, too. That's not really the best first impressions, in my opinion. So we go through this process and involve lots of days of me screaming and not wanting to go back. And this days where this guy felt like he was sitting on my leg to make it bend. And I thought, oh, my gosh, who trained this guy? Because he feels like he's hurting me. And let me tell you what, there was more than one occasion that I wanted to quit. There was more than one occasion that I thought, gee whiz, you know, I'm the one that actually gets in the car and drives of my own free will over there to be tortured. I don't have to do this. But I got up, and each day I still went, and each day I got a little better, and each day the pain was worse, and each day I got a little better. And I went through this entire process, because if I wanted to get to the promise that this guy made me, that I'm going to make you better, but I'm going to hurt you, and it's going to hurt along the way. Not because he was inflicting the pain. What I did inflicted the pain. He was just trying to make me better, but there was hurt, and there was pain to get to the promise that he made me of being able to get better. So... I wonder how many times in our Christian walk and in our Christian life and in our families and with our loved ones, when we are hurt by them or when we have a pain that we're trying to deal with, that the therapy that God has prescribed for us leads to the promise of healing, but we are not ready to take it, endure it, or look at it. And we stop ourselves short of the promise through that pain that we have to get through to make us a little better. So the verses I want to read from today, if you want to start turning your Bibles there, your iPhones or whatever you got, because I don't acknowledge the other phones, so only iPhones here. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 30. So Psalm 30 is by David. It was done to dedicate to his home and to his family. And what I love about the Psalms is they are raw and they are real. You know, I, I know that a lot of times we want to focus on the calendar verse of the day, or we want to focus on our coffee mug that has some awesome phrase that makes us feel like we should be happy-go-lucky and cheery and all hunky-dory. Those are my gringo sayings, honey. I'm sorry. That everything's perfect, and we're going to be just fine. But the Psalms, to me, keep it real. There are times when I don't feel that good. There are times when I feel like my family's not going in the right direction. There's times that I feel like I'm doing a horrible job as a husband and as a dad. And I think that should I feel bad for myself at that point? And you read a psalm and you see these great men of God that wrote these, and they went through those same times. They went through those same trials, and they still found ways to look to God. So in Psalm chapter 30, picking up in verse 1, we read, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. I mean, how many times have we thought about days like that where we feel like we're in the grave? We feel like we're done. We feel like we can't go any farther. And yet, just like these people, we still find hope. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
Now in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor, you have moved, you have made my mountains stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. Just even for a moment where God is away from us or we think he's not with us may cause that kind of panic where we feel like we're all alone and we're not doing things just as the psalmist here did. And he continues with, I cried out to you, O Lord, and the Lord I made supplication. Supplication is almost defined as the point of begging with an earnest heart for something from someone. And in this case, God. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So I can almost stop there and just call it a day and send you all off, but I'd rather put you through the torture of having to listen to me. So from pain to promise. You know, thinking about that, how many times have we been hurt by a family member, a loved one, and we almost don't want to deal with it, or we don't know how to deal with it? You know, in the Family Matters series, we've gone through how we fight for our family. We've gone through looking at the enemies against our family. We know that we have a world that is against wanting to build families, because from families comes strength. Whether it be your core, your nuclear family at home, whether it be your extended family, whether it be this family here, there is strength in numbers. There is strength in unified numbers, people that are working together for a common cause. And how much better is that when it starts at home with our families? Now, we can go through all kinds of hurts and pains. For those of you that don't know the story with my wife and I, it was infidelity, that I nearly screwed up my whole family and lost everything I had. For others, it may be abuse. For some, it may be divorce. For some, you may be in a blended family and trying to recover from prior things that went on. All these hurts and pains can come at us, but how we deal with them and how we allow God to work in us is going to make all the difference in the world on the outcome. How do we get to that promise? Well, the first point I want to look at is injury is inevitable, but joy comes in the morning. When you know that you're going to get hurt, you, you, see, that's the reality we have to face. Once again, we don't live the bookstore shelf life. Not everything is perfect and in place. Not everything is a catchphrase that sounds good and should make us feel good because there's sometimes we just ain't feeling it. There's sometimes we're going through this. There are times, whether we like it or not, that we are going to be injured by someone or something. You know, I, I described earlier at the 9 a.m., you know, I love the, the Disney view of lifestyle. You know, like you watch a, a Disney cartoon movie. It starts off kind of cool. At some point, a bad guy shows up, does something bad. You think the heroines are going to fall. Then the bad guy gets killed or hurt. And then everybody goes home happy, and it's a beautiful day. Birds are singing. Everything's fantastic. Slow fade as they walk away. It's so nice. That's how we envision life, and that's what we think we're going to have out of all this. But then reality sets in. Somebody hurts us, whether it be husband, wife, son, daughter, mother, father, whatever it is, somebody hurts us. And the way we play it out in our mind and the way I envision it is, it's going to go like this. They're going to realize what a fool they were. They're going to apologize. They're going to realize that I was right the entire time. They're going to beg for my forgiveness and my... <laughs> and they're going to come back to me. But isn't that not the case most of the time? We hate to see it that way. 
And I'm going to be real with you all today. I don't want to like sit here and sugarcoat anything. You guys know I'm not that kind. Because the reality is you need to be prepared for that kind of stuff. I think too many times, although yes, we focus on the love of God and the strength that he has given us, the redemption he has given us, everything that he has given us in our lives. But then we have to also face the reality that we're going to see pain, hurt, and trials in every part of this world. Because this world, every time you think you're doing good, you turn the corner, you get punched in the face by something else. You get sucker punched because the enemy loves to do that. You don't even see it coming half the time. You are in a good place and you're not prepared and wham, something gets thrown at you you weren't prepared for. Sickness in the family, death in the family, hurt in the family, betrayal in the family, whatever it is. Now all of a sudden you face that and you weren't ready for it. You know, I think that sometimes we think that we can't focus on the fact of being prepared for the enemy in the world out there while still focusing on the love of God. But the honest truth is, I think the focus on the love of God and the strength and the promise that he has given us make us realize that the world around us is so fallen and broken that you should have your eyes wide open and be prepared for that. If anybody questions that we live in an evil world, all you have to do is turn on the news and hear about the story in Las Vegas. It's bad enough that the world's trying to take us out at every turn, it feels like, because we've had every hurricane coming right at us for the past month and a half. I don't get it. But yet, the earth is bad enough. But when all those people around us do unspeakable things that can be attributed to nothing other than evil, what else can you say? And prepare yourselves for that. You know, it's funny, I was talking with some of my guys at work, and just like everybody else, we try and process this. We try and figure out what's going on with this. How in the world can this happen? And as they're going through all this investigation, what's the one question that everybody keeps asking? Why? Why? I don't understand. Why? Who cares what the reason is? Is he going to give you a reason that's going to make you think that, oh, oh, I can see why he did that. I can see why he decided to go up there and gun down all those people. We live in an evil world, people, and we need to understand that. We need to know that our families are going to be under attack. Just like families were devastated and torn apart, not only do we have to pray for those that were lost, but the kind of damage that's going to be on a family when they find out their son or their daughter's not coming home and a husband or wife is going to sit and look at each other. Are they going to blame each other? You let them go to the concert. You allowed that. Or are they going to look at each other and say, we have to come together right now because the evil in this world is trying to destroy us and we're not going to let it. It is there. You know, in fact, in one of the verses I want to look at, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, it says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. We're going to be grieved at some point. We're going to come across some kind of trial. We're going to come across something that's going to devastate us. I would pray it never happens to you, but that's not the reality. I would rather you be prepared. You know, at work, one of the things we do at the firehouse is we train and we drill for something that we hope will never happen. We come up with these scenarios from other guys that have died in the worst possible situations, and we actually practice those things. Hoping, praying that we will never have to face it. But how much better to be prepared for that time than not? How much time are we actually faced by something that we could have prepared for? Maybe we're not ready at that moment that it was going to come on us because we didn't see it coming. But when it does come, can we recover, get back up and move on and repair and protect ourselves and our family? Can we get through that? Can we look and see who the real enemy here is and be able to fight through that for our families and be able to restore us? to get us to that promise. You know, I, I look at verses like that, and I think, you know, we all have these life verses. Most of us should, if you don't, look one up. But some of the ones that come to mind when I was thinking about this were uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, 
so he can have a future and a hope. Ooh, I like that one. That makes me feel good. God's watching out for me. Or if I'm in a fighting mood, something's facing me. Maybe somebody blasted me on Facebook and gave me an unlike or a bad thing. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper in that day. And every tongue which speaks out against you in condemnation, you shall silence. Boom, like that. <laughs> Go ahead. Or one of my favorites, especially when I'm working out and I feel like Superman, even though I'm not, Philippians 4.13. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> you know, the, the, the funny thing is, no matter how many times I've said that verse in my head, if I rack too much weight up there, I ain't lifting it. <laughs> but we like that. That's the kind of verses we like to see. Those are what we want to think about. I want to think about the happy stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But reality check, we also need to understand that we live in a fallen world and we're going to face things. Many of us, the honest truth is, you know what our life verse should be? James 1, verses 2 through 4. We've heard it many times. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Yeah, that's not the one I'm going to go get tattooed on my body tomorrow. I can promise you that. But how many of us know that that defines our life more than some of those other verses, at least the way we perceive it and the way we see it? So you look at that and you think, oh, okay, he's going to make me perfect. Well, what does perfect look like? Oh, my definition of perfect? Ooh, my definition of perfect, it'll have me ready for the calendar, you know, the fireman's calendar, and nothing flat. <laughs> That's, that's perfect. See, yo soy un bombero. The honest truth is, it's more like the Dunkin' Donuts version. Let me put a little pumpkin spice in your life. So, but what does perfect look like? What does perfect look like? You know, the thing is, we read that and what we, even I used to skim over all the time. The definition of perfect out of that is not my definition, but the Lord's definition of perfect for me. You see, my definition of perfect allows me to live an awesome life, be able to do all kinds of things, motor through things without a problem. But God's definition of perfect is for one sole purpose, to be used by him. It's to be strengthened up, lifted up by him, and to be able to endure things for him. Because ultimately, everything we do is for his name. So his idea of perfect is not mine, but it's still better than what I would think of because it serves a greater purpose beyond myself. And that's what we need to understand. You know, when we think about perfect, it leads me into the second point I want to look at is looks aren't everything. And I want to follow that up with your beauty is defined by your father. Your looks aren't everything because who you are and your beauty is defined by your dad upstairs. You know, when Yoli and I talk about the infidelity in the marriage and stuff like that, we've actually been able to counsel other couples, not always with success. Once again, God's plans are different from my plan. I would love for every single couple we sit down with to walk out with that storybook ending, but that's not the truth. You know, and we'll sit down, and I want to prepare myself and my people around me so much. It hurts, but I'm willing to put myself back in that mind frame of when I cheated on my wife if it's to help somebody else out. You know how sad it is when I say we can be prepared and y'all say, no, you can't be prepared for that. Yes, you can. Because you know how many times I've sat down with a husband or a wife who has been hurt and they tell me the things they're at and the point they're at in their relationship and I'm like, okay, in two or three days, they're probably gonna do this. Oh, okay, whatever. Two or three days later, they call me and they're like, they said almost the exact same words to me. I'm like, I know, because the enemy is not 
that cunning. He throws the same things at all of us. That's how sad it is that we can almost choreograph step by step by step what's going to happen with somebody in their marriage. No, 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 you wouldn't understand. Mine's different. Look, I'm not trying to put myself in your situation exactly what you're going through. Maybe your situation's a little bit different. But it can be choreographed by the enemy using the same process that was for somebody else. If it was infidelity, it was probably the same process as somebody else. If it was abuse, it was probably the same process as somebody else. For me, with that, it was the drinking. You know, like I said, you know, my problem with the drinking was I didn't have a problem drinking. So it led me into a place I shouldn't have been. And then I changed at my house and how I treated my wife and my family. But that could have been choreographed because guess what? I saw it time and time again with the people I worked with. And where did they end up with? In divorce. And yet I followed the exact same suit. So the enemy can choreograph that if we're not prepared and we're not ready for it. And when we have these scars that I was talking about, that we look at scars and we think, oh man, scars are horrible. They change my appearance because, you know, I, I got to look good. I can't have scars on me. You know what? Actually, my feeling, to our Father in heaven, our emotional scars that we have endured on this earth and to bring glory to him are beauty. When we look at the vision of Jesus Christ, what is one of the biggest things we would have to look at to show how much he loved us? The holes, the scars, the pain he was willing to endure for us, that is beauty. That is what we hang on and hope on are the scars. They're not ugly. They show grace. They show love. They show everything to us. Scars are beautiful. You know, when, when people ask me, or my wife, you know, does it hurt when you guys counsel people and actually not just talk? And, no, we put ourselves in that situation. I'm like, absolutely it hurts. I don't like it. For lack of better terms, it sucks. Because guess what? I tell people, it's not like getting a new wound. Worse, it's like cutting open that previous scar. You see, I, I think what we missed the, the point of is, you know, when you get a cut or a bad injury and you get a scar, the funny thing is where that tissue heals up over that scar is actually stronger than what was there before. That area is now harder to wound because that scar is healed up and the body has made that area stronger. How exactly the same is our walk with God that when we go through an emotional scarring, a pain, a hurt, and he heals it, that area is stronger now I can help somebody there. You can help somebody there. We can rebuild a family. That's what we can do. Yeah, I think too much in society. You can obviously tell I'm not, but I know a lot of people are concerned with outer beauty and outer looks and everything. You know, our, our Facebook and Instagram life can look fantastic and everything. Mine doesn't. But it can look good. So we seem to want to take that same process and then translate that into our spiritual walk and our strength and our growth. Let me tell you, looking better doesn't mean you're getting better. And vice versa, getting better doesn't necessarily look better. You know, the year after, in the pain and the process of the infidelity, when we went through that growth, let me tell you what, that year was actually harder than actually going through the pain of the infidelity. Because each person had to give up of themselves to help that process along. Each person developed these injuries and these scars and these wounds that had to be healed. But oh, how much it was worth it in the end. How awesome was it to be able to endure that? Not because of who we are, but because of what he did to get to that promise. Yeah, there's some pain. There's some hurt. But that's okay. 
Because if my pain and my hurt can be used to save somebody else, I'm already promised my life afterwards. I'm already promised everything. So I'm not worried about that. I know where I'm going. I said it earlier at the 9 a.m., let me clarify. I'm not saying this in a negative way, but kind of the things I've developed sometimes when my wife will tell me, well, babe, you know, you did this. What do you think they're going to think? Don't take this the wrong way. I don't care what they think. Don't take that as I don't love people. I love everybody. I want to love on people. But the reciprocation of your love to me and your approval of me does not stop what I am doing. Don't take that in a bad way. Because guess what? There's a lot of times I'm going to do stuff that doesn't make sense to the world, but it's okay. It doesn't need to. I was told to do it. I'm going to do it. Live with it. And eventually you get to that point. We're so worried sometimes that we want to put on this life. Now, mind you, I'm not saying be that real on Instagram. If you and your husband are going through troubles, don't go. Day number 25, jerk still out of the house. Selfie. <laughs> not that I'm saying that would happen. Seen a couple of those. Anyways, I'm not saying that either. Being real is one thing. Being, you know, vindictive is a whole other thing. So we have to be real, though. Look, don't put on a facade all the time. If you're going through pain, you're going through hurt, that's what family is for. That's why we build up family. The worst is when it's your family that is hurting you, you still have to find the other family, whether it be here, extended family, to help you. God always gives us help when we need it. Sometimes we're just afraid to look to where he's got it because it's not where we want. So that's the kind of things we have to look at. We need to be prepared for that. Scars are okay. Like I tell my kids all the time, hey, chicks dig scars. It's okay, man. If you get hurt, it's all right. Every scar is a story. But how much more are the scars that people can't see that inflicted the most pain, the most hurt, allowed for the most healing that we can share with others and tell people about others. And when their reaction is, I don't know how you did it. There you go, I didn't, but God, God did. And that's when you realize that, that it will get you through that. Now when we realize that, once again, injury's inevitable and you know, looks aren't everything. The third thing I wanna look at is focus on the healer and not the healed. So where am I going with that one? Well, especially in America, we really romanticize the happy ending of a movie. It's always, a story's always gotta have a happy ending. You know, the first time you watch a foreign movie and at the end, the couple doesn't stay together, they actually get divorced, or the actual heroine or hero gets killed. Whoa, 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 whoa. I hope this movie got a bad rating. That's a horrible ending. That's, that's terrible. That's not supposed to happen. They were supposed to get their marriage back together, walk in Central Park, walking together, slow fade. In the springtime, dog barking in the background. <laughs> the end. And never have another problem. That's our vision. That's what we see. Well, the, the thing with that is, I think what that's kind of, kind of entailed itself towards is, we seem to do the same things within our own life and within the work of God. We seem to want to sit there and say, well, you know, if somebody did me wrong, I did all this stuff to forgive them. I'm healed. Lord, smite them. Take them down, Lord. And we have this thing of justice and a happy ending that's supposed to happen. This is the way it's supposed to go down. It's supposed to happen this way, Lord, so that my ending can be the picture-perfect one I've envisioned and that I've wanted. You know, but the honest truth is that's not what really happens. 
The honest truth is what the Lord tells us when it comes to those who hurt us and inflict pain and cause pain is once again, here's another one of those. I'm going to let you know ahead of time. You're not going to want to get this one tattooed right away. But Matthew 5, picking it up in verse 44. In a moment, they'll put it on the screen. There you go. So it says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, already not liking this, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Not going to lie, the first time you read that when you've been hurt, you probably ain't going to like that verse. It just doesn't sound right. What are you, are you kidding me? You're the God of love and mercy. How can you even say that I should love those around me that hurt me? If you love me, God, you'll make them pay. You'll make sure that you take care of them for what they did to me. And that's the thought process we have is that we think there has to be our sense of justice, our sense of what's going on. And that translates into the pain that's caused in our family. You know that when we romanticize, like I was talking about the idea of the hero, you know the funny thing is, all the pain that I caused to my family all those years ago, and I repented of it, and I gave my life to the Lord, and it's, it's great that to this point he's, he's grown me and I'm allowed to share with you. The funny thing is, throughout a lot of this time, and I'm not, don't, don't take it the wrong way, but people will tell me or others, man, you're so awesome. I wish my husband could be like you. Well, no, no, your husband is like me. That's why he's doing the stuff he's doing. That's the problem. We romanticize the healed. The, like I did something. You know what it's like if you've been hurt? And if you're sitting in that seat right now and somebody has really hurt you and scarred you and you read those verses and you see someone like me, you know what? You're, 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 you know what's going to say inside? Exactly like my wife did. It's not fair. This is not fair. I gave up everything. I gave up my dignity. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't ask for this. I gave him no reason to go did what he did. Why is he doing this to me? And you want me to forgive him? My friends make fun of me that I should kick him out of the house. People tell me to get rid of him. He's a bum. Once a cheater, always a cheater. That's what they would tell her. And she would sit there and go, why is this fair, God? Why? Why do I have to sacrifice everything for this family, and yet he does nothing and gets all the credit for looking good for something? And that's when God looks down upon us and says, I know. I know. What do you think I did with my son? I give him. I sent him down. He did nothing to deserve this. You guys messed up. You did things wrong. And yet I was willing to sacrifice everything. He gave up his dignity as a God in heaven. He gave up everything. Why? Because he wants us to be his children because that's how much he believes in family. And I think that we all need to understand this and remember this, that we're gonna go through pain, we're gonna go through hurt. You know the hard part about this stuff? Everybody thinks that being Christ-like is going out and doing stuff out there. It is. But how much more is this kind of stuff where you sacrifice, where you give, where you don't understand why, where you did nothing wrong? 
and yet you are willing to bankrupt it all to save the ones you love. That is Christ-like. That is the image of Christ on the cross, giving it all to save but one. And that's what I think we forget. You know, if we can all stand to our feet real quick as we, we close. I want to pray for a couple groups here. Maybe some of you out there don't know about this God. Maybe some of you out there don't know about this relationship. Maybe some of you out there don't know that, you know what? It is hard to go through hurts and pains and injuries, but you are not alone. It can be done, not because we're so great, but because He is great. Not because we can do it of our own, but it can be done by Him through us. So if we can all bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment, just for privacy. And if inside your heart you're saying, that's me, I don't have a relationship with God. Yeah, I've heard about Him. Yeah, I've seen movies about Him. I've seen all this stuff. I thought church thing was weird. It wasn't for me, but, but I'm here today. I don't believe in coincidences. You are not here by accident. If there's even a tingling in your heart telling you that you need God, it's because you do. Do not walk out of these doors not knowing your fate of where you're gonna go. Do not walk out of these doors alone. You can walk with the power and the strength of the Almighty God who created each and every one of us. And He wants nothing more than to give that to you if you will let Him. So at the count of three, if that is you, if you're sitting there saying, I don't know, I don't know, don't worry about that. Don't think twice. That's why I ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. Nobody's gonna be staring at you. Nobody's gonna be worried. Don't even worry about that. Like I said, who cares around you what people think? Right now is the moment. Do not take one more day or one more breath without knowing you have that relationship. So if you do not have that relationship with the Lord God and you wanna receive him into your heart, on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm acknowledging you and you can put it right back down. So one, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand. Amen, I see you, amen, I see you, amen, I see you. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you guys. Anybody else, God bless you. Anyone else, don't let this moment go by. Don't let this moment go by. Amen, amen. While everybody still has their heads bowed, their eyes closed, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of confession, not to me, but to God. I'm just gonna lead you, and I'm gonna ask the whole church family to join in together. So if you can repeat after me, say, Dear God, Thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for salvation. I admit that I'm a sinner and my sin has kept me from you. Jesus, come into my heart, be my friend, and walk with me every day of my life. I love you and I need you. And it's in your precious name I pray. And everybody says amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel or visit us at calvaryconnect.com for more information. Till next time.